0: We are so honored that you would take the time out of your week to listen to this week's message. We pray that you find it helpful and life-giving. If you would like more information on Hope Church, you can check us out at www.hopedelmarva.com. That's D-E-L-M-A-R-V-A dot com. Thanks for listening. You can have a seat. I am so excited to be here in the house getting ready to share a word with you. And to be honest, that was my mistake. I thought forgot we rolled in video now. Uh, to be honest, I was super excited to get up here and address you guys and to hang out with you guys. Um, do you guys like the seats now? <laughs> we, I said, listen, we got to change it up for these folks that come in, into this cafeteria one more time. we can going to put them at an angle. Uh, my name is Emma Adams, the lead pastor here at Hope Church. And if you're joining online, we are so glad that you are here. Welcome to all of our online folks. And we got some. We're going to have some mo. Everybody say some mo. Some mo. Some mo. So we are in our series, Unpopular Opinion. And last week we talked about unconditional love. We talked about God's love that is without condition, which is very different from the popular opinion that love comes with conditions. And if you don't fulfill all of my conditions, then I just won't love you. But God's opinion is that his love is without condition. And there's nothing you can do to earn it. It's agape love And with that, we are empowered and enabled to actually love others. It's God's love in the first place. We don't have to have it. God already has it. So one of the most astounding things about our current culture, and especially in America, is our fierce independence. I mean, y'all, we don't play. We are fiercely independent. I will do it myself. I got it. This on me. One of our favorite phrases I Self-made. I'm self-made. I don't need anybody. I did it myself. And if you have a toddler or have ever been a parent of a toddler, then you know this phrase. I do it myself. I do it myself. I told Kylie that this morning. We were setting up and I was putting up drapes. And she's like, you want help with that? And I was like, no, I do it myself. I do it myself. And she's like, "Uh uh-huh. I was like, well, I'm going to preach on that. I know. God. I do it myself. Uh, So much so that there was um, a cute video. I think it was from like the early 2000s that went viral. You might have seen it, but it's this little girl in her car seat. And her dad is filming her from the front seat. And she is on the struggle bus, but she's determined trying to put on her five-point harness herself, right? She is struggling to put this thing on. And he says, baby, do you want me to help you? And she says to him, you will about yourself. (laughs) You worry about yourself. And so he waits patiently. She's still struggling. Can't get it, trying to buckle it in. He says, babe, do you, do you want me to help you? No, that you worry about yourself. She goes, real man, you worry about yourself, and you turn around, you drive. She says, how many times do we get like that in our lives Especially when it comes to the things of spirituality. This has poured out this attitude, I do it myself, into popular culture. And now we have people who who say, I don't need help even when it comes to my spirituality. I don't need help. I've got my own religion. Hold on. Let me get my crystals. I'm going to read my horoscope. Let me look at the stars. Let me grab my essential oils for autumn. essential oils. Now, look, I love lavender just like any other person. But lavender ain't done nothing for my soul, okay? And ain't no rock ever helped me do anything except for break a window. Okay? But we want to do it ourselves. So we've got our crystals and we're going to manifest our own destiny. I'm a manifest, I'm a manifest I had a teenage girl tell me she was going to manifest using her crystals to make her mom take her to the mall. I said, well, I had to do some math. I said, I'm pretty sure that's not going to work. Because if you're my kid, I'm going to manifest. You be grounded. <laughs> Come at me with that nonsense. Manifest. right? But this is what we have. This is the popular opinion right now. Because if we believe and we can do it ourselves, then we don't need a higher power. We don't need God. I do it myself, God. We look at him and say, I do it myself. And I read an unpopular opinion online, and I thought it was pretty accurate, actually. She says, unpopular opinion, just because somebody was a well-loved celebrity doesn't mean they're automatically going to heaven, because we will automatically send somebody straight up on Facebook. Doesn't matter how dirty, nasty, They were in their lives. Didn't matter how they treated anybody. Didn't matter if they had a relationship with God or not. we just going to send them on up just because somebody liked their movies. Right? And that's true. But here's the popular opinion. If I could summarize it in in a statement, this would be the current popular opinion. If I am good, because you got to be good. But if I'm good and I believe in something higher I am owed heaven when I die. Ooh, Jesus. In fact, I can generate my own power to manipulate the world to serve my interests and manifest a destiny I prefer. And we will preach this in Christian churches across America. I'm a Manifest. And this is iconically characterized in Ratatouille, the movie. Okay, I'm going to go. Okay, Ratatouille. In Ratatouille, we have Linguini showing up to get a job, right? He's got a letter and he hands it to the current chef of a five-star Michelin restaurant. And the chef is opening and reading the letter. And the letter is from this kid's mom. And he says, oh, yeah, yeah, how is your mom? And Linguini says, well, she's good. She's good, you know. And another chef goes, she's dead. She's dead. And he goes, yeah, but it's okay because like she believed in heaven and stuff. So she's like good afterlife wise. Just because she believed in heaven. So she's good afterlife wise. But this morning we're going to look into a truth about the origin of spirituality and form an unpopular opinion, not based on feelings, but on the facts that we can find in the Bible. Paul wrote to the Ephesians this, but... For it is by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not from yourself. It is a gift of God, not by works, so that no one can boast. You see, understanding what Paul is saying here is key. For accessing a spirituality that is effective for not only gaining heaven, but for joy and peace here and now, and you don't even need a rock. You don't even need lavender essential oil, okay? Here's the truth. We all need grace. This is my first point. We all need grace. And Paul takes the first couple of verses in Ephesians chapter 2 to kind of set the stage for the truth he just shared with us. So if we kind of go back to Ephesians 2, 1 through 3, he says this to us, and he says that we're dead in the water when it comes to being able to connect with God. Now, oftentimes we've talked in this church about the disconnect. The great disconnect is when you and I chose sin, and the truth of the matter is we all said yes to it. At some point in our lives, whether when we were little, uh, probably when you were little, you hit little Johnny because they took your thing, or or you stole something, or you lied about something. Everybody, every single one of us chooses sin. We choose it. I love when they say, kids, innocent, and I'm like, you have not had kids. <laughs> there is no innocent kid. Mm-mm, mm-mm. Ephesians says this, as for you, you were dead in your transgressions and sins in which you used to live. When you follow the ways of this world and of the ruler of the kingdom of the air. Can we just pause right now? Satan, the enemy, the devil, that's a real deal Holyfield, okay? That's not just pie in the sky spirituality. There really is an enemy. He really is out for our souls as human beings. He does not like that we are able to reconnect to God. He is not okay that you can repair your connection with God through Jesus Christ. He doesn't want that because he doesn't want to be alone in hell. And for all of eternity, Revelations tells us that for all eternity he will be thrown into the lake of fire forever. Cut off. It's called the second death. Okay? We die in this life, but then there's a second death. This is real. And the enemy is real. And so many popular opinions would tell you that this is not the case. But I'm telling you, this is real. Paul tells us that there is a ruler of the kingdom of Er air. There's a spirit who is now at work. And where does he say they're at work? He's at work. Among those who are disobedient. Y'all know what I'm talking about. Mm -mm. Mm-mm. Talking about us. Before we redeemed ourselves in Christ, y'all know that person that we're, I don't even have to say... Anything else? You know the person who is disobedient to Christ? You know the person who is definitely acting like (laughs) the enemy, right? And all of us, this is the thing, all of us lived among them at one time. And it says we gratified the cravings of our flesh following its desires and thoughts. Like the rest, we were by nature deserving of wrath, Because we chose, because we chose sin, we also chose the death that would come with it because we gratify the desires of our flesh. We choose. So if we all chose, then we all need grace. Then we all need forgiveness. We all have operated disconnected from the Father. We've all operated in sin, and we all need His grace to reconnect to God in the first place. It starts... With grace that calls us first. And the second point is that grace is from God alone. The verse starts because of His great love. It wasn't because I stopped sinning. It wasn't because I did something right. It wasn't because I was cute. It wasn't because I smiled real pretty. It wasn't because I volunteered at church. It was because of his great love. In one of my favorite authors, C.S. Lewis's book, The Silver Chair, he takes us on an amazing journey. And he starts with two little kids. He starts with Eustace and his friend. And Eustace tells his friend of an amazing magical place called Narnia. And, And he tells... Jill Pole at their boarding school where they are just malcontent with all things boarding school and hate it there. He tells her there's this magical place where animals talk and the kingdom is full of warmth and light and it's enchanted and hoping to somehow find a way into this world, Eustace convinced Jill, if we just say the name Aslan, we'll go. And she's like, I don't even know what this is. Aslan, what is this? So they say Aslan and magically, by some strange magic, their hopes are heard. And soon Jill finds herself face to face with this great lion called Aslan. And Aslan is full of power and might and majesty. And he's got this all-knowing sense about him. And Jill is absolutely puzzled because he looks at her and says, you have been commissioned for a very important task. And Jill says this to him. He says, Please, what's her task, sir? I'm trying to rip out my British accent because, you know, C.S. Lewis was British. Um, but the lion says, The task for which I have called you and him, Eustace, here out of your world. And this puzzled Jill very much. And she thought to herself, It's mistaking me for someone else. And she didn't want to say her feelings out loud because she felt. It like a dreadful muddle. And he says, speak your thoughts. And she said, I was wondering, I mean, could there be some mistake? Because nobody called to, to somebody. It, I, I was told, Scrub said, we were to call to somebody. It was a name I didn't know. And perhaps somebody would let us in. And we did. And then we found the door open. And Aslan says to her very clearly, you would not have called to me. Unless I had been calling to you, you would not have called to me unless I had been calling to you this entire time. You see, it is grace that comes from God, and there it is in a children's bedtime story, deep theology is tucked in. By the way of the lion, Lewis, let us taste God's rich grace before we ever recognize our need for him. His gentle strength is drawing us in before we ever even know what name to call. He is calling us. We could never find him if he hadn't already searched us out. And grace is good like that. That song we sang, he is a good grace and it's a good God because it is God who calls us all along. This is the definition of grace. Grace is the favor shown by God to sinners. It is the divine goodwill offered to those who neither inherently deserve it nor can ever hope to earn it. Grace. Now, grace in the New Testament comes from the word charis or charis, C H A R I S, which is where we get our words charismatic and charisma because grace is a gift. And when we see somebody who's very charismatic, who is, is very, has, has, walks around with charisma, has a warm smile and is welcoming, who everybody seems to like, we say they have the gift of charisma. But it's not an achievement, it's a gift. And in its plural, the gifts or charismata of the spirit are freely given, divinely enabled, and effectively ordered through historical and concrete means but they're all received by faith. For it is by faith you have been saved. My third point this morning is that we cannot earn it. We cannot earn it. Listen to this fact. Life can only be received. It's offered as a sheer gift. The fact that you were born was a gift. You didn't in some ulterior plane somewhere out there, write a letter and say, Dear Mom and Dad, I would like to be born. Could you please see to it that this would happen? I would like to live. No, that's impossible because you weren't able to do that. You didn't have the capacity to do that at all. Precisely nothing exists before the zygote receives nascent life and conception. Think of it. Before your conception, there was not even a hint or a glimpse or preliminary fantasy of the gift of life by which you might have imagined or desired or vaguely hoped for life. No. Nothing. Similarly, in the new birth from above, there is no way for those already dead in their sins to give themselves life. One cannot apart from grace, even pray for or hope for, much less initiate or design being reborn from God. You cannot. Faith, hope, and love are all gifts of the Spirit, which cannot only come by God's grace alone. They can only come by God alone. Romans even points out that the sinful mind is hostile to God. Not only are you unable, you're hostile. You're under the influence of the enemy and he has made you hostile to God. And Thomas Ogden, who is an amazing author and teacher and uh, professor, writes this. This condition requires a radical illumination, enabling those in darkness to begin to awaken to the light and to come themselves to be light in the Lord a radical illumination. Somebody's got to turn on the light for you. You can't even reach the switch. But grace is the power running through every, every wire. But Somebody's got to turn that switch. You can't reach it. There is nothing that we can do to earn God's good grace and love for us. There are no crystals. There are no incantations or even an essential oil. There is nothing that can pave the way. There is no horoscope. There is no star that can tell. There is nothing except the star that led the wise men to Jesus' cradle in the middle of a Judean hillside. There is nothing apart from grace, from God calling us. Justin Martyr put it this way. Grace arrested man in his fall. When I think about that in my mind, I think about a free fall. I think about man free falling and I can see God just go like this. Grace is what arrested man in his fall and placed him in a salvable state and endowed him with gracious ability to meet all the conditions of personal salvation. Grace caught you when you were falling. You were doing a free fall and grace came and caught you and placed you in a place where you can even make sense of any of this. Grace starts the conversation and grace continues the conversation. Stages or kinds of grace from God happen. I want to share with you the uh, five stages of grace Four stages of grace, excuse me. The first stage of grace is God's prevening or prevenient grace, which works to move, remove our barriers and our disbelief to faith, hope, and love. This is the Aslan call to us. It's the grace that even allows us to respond with repentance and trust. It's the grace that goes before It's the grace that is calling everybody who's in the enemy's camp. God is calling out, hey, I'm here. Hey, I love you. Hey, that's prevenient grace. The second grace that God gives us is convicting grace. This grace restrains a natural resistance to unmerited justification and disposes the will to actually faith in God. Convicting grace is what happens when you sin and you recognize it and you hear God's call, hey! And you go, wait. What? For me, this happened when I said yes to God in the middle of the woods behind my house. And God said, hey! And I said, yeah. And he kind of took back a curtain and said, hey, there's something blocking me from getting to you. Do you see it now? It's like the Matrix. Y'all remember the Matrix? Remember when Neo sees the code? Convicting grace is God showing you the code of sin in your life. And you go, oh my gosh. I see it now. I see it all clearly now. And it helps us to have faith in God's justifying action, which moves us into the operating or justifying grace, which converts the power to a faithfulness response, faithful response to God. And this gives us the sacrifice on the cross and applies it to us. And it's the grace that justifies us. It's the grace that tells us that Jesus' blood has got us covered. It shows us the code and then it shows us how to fight the bad guy with the glasses, okay, for the matrix people, (laughs) right? And then there's persevering grace. And this is the grace by which faith and life of holiness are strengthened and confirmed. It's the grace that will carry us home. It's the grace that we persevere in this human life. And human freedom is assisted from the beginning to the end, becoming awakened to and then assisted and aware of God's divine mercy and the work of salvation at every single step in your life and in my life remains God's own act. It's all grace. Leading first to repentance, then to forgiveness, then to justification, then to adoption, then to union with Christ, and then sanctification over the life, the whole of one's whole life. All of it is grace. And here's the truth there is no good enough. There is only God is enough. There is no good enough. There is only God, you are enough. God alone is enough. Only Jesus' sacrificial offering of himself, the sinless, blameless lamb of God. Only God could fix this problem. Only God could make us right. But we do have an opportunity in God's grace. And that's my fourth point, is we can participate in God's grace. I love a God that doesn't just come in and save the day, but teaches us how to save the day too. He allows us to participate in grace. Knowing that it's all God and it's all a gift, the first thing we have to do is accept the dang gift. Take the present, right? Find your name tag under the Christmas tree of grace. Oh, this one's for me. (laughs) Shake it, open it, receive it, put it on. It's a robe, a white robe. You're going to get a crown someday. Okay, I shall wear a robe and crown. Okay, right? That's an old song. Y'all don't know about that. God reaches and he calls, but our will must receive the gift. You do have a part to play in this. We have free will because God doesn't want a mechanical, I love you, God. He wants an, I love you, God. Thank you for this gift. He doesn't want an animatronic. He wants a relationship with you. And accepting the gift of grace starts with a posture of humility, recognizing that you need the gift in the first place. It's recognizing that you see the code and you made the code and you're the problem, that it wasn't him who left you, it was you who left him, right? That's it. So you participate by accepting the gift and then you participate by charging yourself, your will to chase after God's grace, to continue to allow the grace of God, that grace that carries us home, to be active in your life. You have to continue to allow God's grace to form and shape your will so that it reflects God's will. You are a work in process. Yes, it is all God, but baby, you got to get on that bike and pedal. Okay? Pedal. The second way that you get to participate is that you extend the gift of God's grace to others. Jesus is so amazing with his parables. But the one that always gets me is the parable he tells of the man who owes just tons of money. He owes so much that he's finally called to his debt and they're going to throw him in prison and take his whole family and make his whole family work to pay off this debt, millions of dollars. And the man goes and throws himself at this leader and he says, please, please don't take my family. Don't throw me into jail. I'll pay you back, I promise. Please forgive my debt. And so the leader says, I got you. I'm going to cancel it. You're good. How many have a loan that you would love for somebody to cancel in Jesus' name? Okay. You would love to go before Visa and say, Visa, please, please forgive my debt. But this leader forgives this man debt. And as this dude is walking home, he finds somebody who owes him five dollars. And Jesus tells the story that the man who owed him $5, he goes up to the man who owes him a $5 bill and shakes him and says, you pay me back what you owe me. And the man says, I don't got it right on man. I got it, you know, I don't have it. And guess what the man says? Take him, throw him in jail. He owes me $5. What do you think the leader does when he sees the way this man treats Somebody else. This man just forgave him all that debt, and he can't forgive somebody else. God has forgiven you much, and you can't have grace for that person on Route One when you're trying to get to the beach. Oh, that's just me. Okay. You can't have grace for the woman who is staring at peas, blocking the whole entire aisle at Walmart. Baby, then the same peas been in that same spot. You ever try to help somebody like that too? You ever like, but here you go. And they're like, oh, well, now I don't know. And you're like, oh, jeez. Come on. But deeper than that, the person who hurt you when you were a child. The person who called you names and abused you when you sat in this school, some of us. Okay, that's me. I said it right over there. People call me stuff. The person who left you, cheated on you, lied on you, stole from you. You have been forgiven so much, much of the same. Can you not turn and give grace to somebody else? Because the more you allow God's will, God's grace to shape your will, you will begin to reflect God's character. And that passage in Ephesians, if you go back and you read that that passage in Ephesians, you'll see three traits that God demonstrates. They're expressed through three words in that very passage. It says God's great love, God is love, because of his mercy, God is merciful, because of his kindness, God is so kind to us. Even when we are not kind to ourselves, even when we're not kind to others, his kindness reigns. But if you let grace shape you, you'll begin to reflect God's characters onto others. So landing today, here is the unpopular opinion. And the opinion of God says the only hope for eternity in heaven comes from a relationship with Jesus Christ which was initiated and carried solely by the grace of God. I can do nothing but receive the free gift of God's grace and participate by aligning my will with his grace. That's unpopular. You can't earn it. It is all Christ. It is all grace. So what you can do is give thanks. Give thanks that he's been calling your name. Give thanks that you can receive this grace that not only leads to salvation, but moves you through the journey of life and faith because God desires more than anything to be near to you. Guys, God desires to be so close. The Holy Spirit has been calling your name. He knows you and he wants to be with you in the darkness, in the light, every second, every moment of every day. That's God's grace to you. So would you join me in turning your heart right now by closing your eyes. Maybe for you this morning, this message has just been a reminder of a truth you already knew, but some of you, it might be a new truth or a revelation of truth that you never thought about before. I want to ask you, if you are somebody who needs grace, maybe you've... um, You've been in the enemy's camp and you've been acting out and you need God's grace right now for forgiveness. He wants to give it to you. Would you just just lift your hand if you say, I need grace. I need grace today. Yes, 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 I need grace. He sees you. He knows you need grace. He's been calling. He says, I'm calling you and I love you. Father, we need to apply your grace in our lives. Give us grace. Help us to participate by acts of our will, forming and shaping ourselves by the power of your grace through the Holy Spirit to be more and more and more like you, God. Father, there are those of us who struggle to give grace. Father, there could be some people here who need to be able to give grace to others who have hurt them. If that's you and you need to give grace and it's been hard, can you just lift your hand so I can pray for you? Yeah. It's been hard to give grace. God, I ask that you would empower us to remember the parable that you, Father God, told us through Jesus Christ. And help us to give grace, to be humble, Lord God, and always receiving but ever giving grace upon grace, upon grace. And we we ask that you would do this. If anybody listening online or is here and has never said yes to Jesus and you're hearing about this relationship with Jesus for the first time, I would love to pray with you. But more than that, I would love to help you start your journey. And you can scan a QR code on the screen or if you're online, you can text that's me to 94000. If you know that you know that I'm talking to your heart today, that's me. God, uh, this person, these people want to come home. They want a relationship with you. They're saying, that's me. So would you help us by the power of your Holy Spirit to receive salvation by believing in Jesus Christ and his finished work on the cross and the power of the resurrection that comes. Give us a new life and a new birth like we heard about today. God, there are some of us who need grace to carry on, and we've been walking away from you, and we need to recommit our lives to you. God, we do that today. And we ask that you would be with us and help us through all that. And we ask all this in Jesus' name. Everybody said. We hope you found today's message both helpful and inspiring. Hope Church meets every Sunday at 10 a.m. in Seaford, Delaware. If you would like more information, You can find it at www.hopedelmarva.com. That's Hope, D-E-L-M-A-R-V-A dot com. Thanks for listening.